Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me in what was quite a significant week in this household. Um, but I'll get on to that fairly shortly and um, you can kind of get the, the gist of why uh, it was a sort of significant week. Um, in other news, um, coming to terms with unlocking, um, I suppose unlocking is the right term. So there's a bit of that um, this week and also um, answering the question of what you can do in an hour and 50 minutes. Um, so we'll get on to all that but before we do let's have a little bit of that twangy guitar. <laughs> So today is the day when the household contains a teenager. So my eldest son um, turns 13 today. And it's I guess it's one of those days that makes you stop and think um, just about the passage of time, um, which is crazy, really, that why we should focus on the passage of time at these significant days or what we create as significant days, because... You know, the passage of time in the way it works is no difference at all today, realistically, to what it was yesterday. But today was that day and suddenly, you know, we have a we've we've arrived at the stage where we have a teenage son. Um, now, I guess. And do you know what? You don't realize how spot on that that character in Harry Enfield was the Kevin and Perry characters uh, in in uh, Harry Enfield were until that hits your life and it's the bit it's not the teenage bit so it's not the hunched sort of drooped shoulders and the moo and the and the sort of um the the the, the kind of mooching around in that kind of permanently you know annoyed and disgruntled state that that is the bit that you you sort of are surprised by. That's the bit that I kind of think you know is coming because in reality that's been coming for about 18 months, two years. The first sign of the teenage years kicking probably when they're about 10 or 11. Certainly seem to with, you know, with boys. Um, I think the bit that's, that, that you don't expect is the bit where the characters change in a moment depending on who's in the room. So um, the attitude that you get from a, um, a teenage child towards their parents versus the how they behave when they're in a space with somebody else. So if I take my son and his best friend, I've been, you know, at uh, situations in our house where uh, we've had a complete meltdown, um, you know, with our own son and yet the behavior of his mate who's in the house is impeccable and then I've been in his mate's house and seen exactly the reverse um and I, and I think it's that bit that's still kind of quite incredible to to witness is that ability to morph from from that teenage angst-ridden unshouldered world is against me how hard is my life i can't believe i'm not being allowed to do x y and z or rather i can't believe i'm being made to do x y and z to that butter wouldn't melt politest child in the world absolutely you should be so proud of your son because you've done a marvelous job he's a credit to you and that fact that that literally that is like switching on uh, a light <laughs>
Tuesday. The call that we've been waiting for for months came today. Um, and before you have a moment of panic and you think, uh, is this a health call or is this a hospital call or is this anything to do with anything as a result of some tests or whatever it might be, it's none of those things. Uh, and it's got nothing to do with, you know, education of child or, or, or anything in that respect. It's far more banal in some respects and in others far more important. So Rachel phoned today and Rachel phoned today and said, when would you like to come for a hair appointment? And if there are a sweeter set of words in the English language, then I'm not sure I know what they are. Um, and so um, when the initial you know, sh- shock and excitement wore off, we scheduled some appointments. And within the next two weeks, the entire family is going to go through, you know, on, on, on the, the hair conveyor belt that will turn us back into um, the beings that we somehow were before. So it's not to say that we look ridiculous, but it's a bit off kilter. You know, you know when somebody shows you a pencil drawing of something. Those pencil drawings you see it, uh, you often see them at the seaside, and there'll be pencil drawings of you know, and going back of the years, Samuel Bon and Elvis and all manner of things. And you see, and you look at them and you go, well, yeah, I know it is, but it's just not quite right somehow. The fringe is a bit off, or something in the face is just a little lopsided, or it the, the dimensionality is somehow wrong. And you look at these pencil drawings and you think, well, yeah, I know it's share. But it's it's not quite right. And that's kind of how we've been wandering about in terms of it's looked like us, but because we've had odd efforts at cutting hair, there's something not quite there. Everything's not quite level. You know, to get your fringe to get your fringe looking how it should, you've kind of got to tip your head. And then suddenly everything else is out. So you can't have the two the same. Everything is somehow slightly quirky and not not quite you know that something's wrong you know just not quite sure what it what it is so when that call came through then suddenly it's like I'm going to be back to being me I'm going to be back to looking at I'm, I'm when I glance in a, in a mirror I'm going to get back what I kind of expect to get back rather than having to do a slight double take because something's just a little bit off um, you know the cloning process isn't quite that good, so um, that was that was a great call, um, a great call to have, um, and it was it, to have that feeling of not being quite right was kind of compounded because um, bless her, Rachel had lent me some clippers, and she lent me some clippers, um, and, and that had made a, a world of difference in helping to cut, you know, mine and the and the boy's hair. And she sort of said, can you, take, can you bring these clippers back? I'm going to need to sterilise them for when we reopen. And I was going into town anyway um, because I'd been sent a cheque, um, which I needed to pay in the bank. So it was like, right, okay, well, I'll make, I know, I know, I could, you know, the shops are open. And I'll, I know the bank's home. I'll go into Huddersfield and I will, I'll pay in this cheque and I'll drop these things off because Rachel was in the salon starting to prepare the salon. So I could just drop this thing at the door and go. And I went and I and I texted her from outside and said, "Look, I'm outside. Do you want to come down and get them?" And she, you know, she came down and she took one look at me, and I guess she looked at me the way that a nurse would look at you in A and E when you arrive and you've done your own bandage. 
that it was it's a valiant effort and you do get top marks for trying but it was almost like look let's get you inside and let's get you sorted out properly so it's a wonderful thing to know that the hair appointment's booked it's wonderful to know it's actually going to be somehow back to the way it was and however well we thought we did through the period I don't think any of us are going to be changing our profession anytime soon. Wednesday. So what can you do in an hour and 50 minutes? Um, and I got, a, I got a lesson in what you can do in an hour and 50 minutes today. So you might throw out the kind of things you would expect. So what? Well, you can watch a football match. Um, so there's, there's a thing. There's a thing, two 45-minute halves, 50 minutes in between, a few minutes of substitutions, hour and 50 minutes, boom, there's your football match. Okay, so that's one thing you can do in an hour and 50 minutes. Um, you can watch Casablanca or True Grit or Ratatouille. All of those come in about one hour, 50 minutes. So as, you know, as a spread of things that are worth watching and worth immersing yourself in and, and you know, spending some time with, then in an hour and fifty minutes, you can you can do you can do those things. You can listen to Seasons End by Marillion, and you can go back and listen to it again just to be reminded of how great it is. And by the time you've listened to that through twice, then you've probably done somewhere in the regions of about an hour and fifty minutes. Um, you know that that works. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. Um, you can go for a nice stroll, probably cover some of the regions of about seven miles, maybe six and a half, seven miles. Nice sort of, nice sort of, of, of stroll. Um, that's a one hour, 50 minute task. Um, or if you've been daft enough to go out and buy a 950 liter paddling pool, you can sit and you can watch the water come out of the hose to fill the paddling pool. Because that's how long it takes. And it seems such a good idea at the time. It's going to be warm this week. Um, you know, we can't get out and about and what have you. Let's, let's, the, the kids are always banging on about a water fight. Let's get a pool that we can actually sit in. Let's get something we can sit in and they can play in. And you can put some inflatables in and this, that and the other. Let's do that. Eight and a half foot by four and a half foot. Um, you know, Saw it in Sainsbury's, brilliant. One of those. And yes. And do you know what? No time at all to blow up. Little bit of... Um, I've got a uh, one of these little pumps that, that you fits into a cigarette lighter in the car. No problem at all. This thing expanded and became enormous and impressive and fantastic in literally five minutes. And then an hour and 50 minutes to fill the thing. Quite what I'm going to do with 950 litres of water when we decide that we've had enough or it's gone green, I'm really not sure. But if you want to know what you can do in an hour and 50 minutes, you can watch a paddling pool fill. Thursday. I was recording an interview today um, for the 9 to 42 podcast, which is the podcast that I do with Jason Hunt. Um, and it's um, he runs something called The Guitar Show UK. I've mentioned it before. And we've had this podcast for a little while. And we interview people who work in and around um, the music industry with guitars. So it'll be guitar players. 
or it'll be companies that that build and manufacture products um, for you know for guitar players. And today um, we were chatting to a guy uh, called Mikey Demas, and Mikey plays in a band called Skindred, and he's been in the, <clears throat> he's been in this band for about twenty years, and um, but he's crossed over into other things. So he's um, he's got a um, he's in collaboration with somebody else to build um, effects pedals, which are the things that you see guitarists stamping up and down on and they shape the sound so they make it crunchy or distorted or they give it some weird kind of effect. And he and he um, he produces um, guitar pedals. And guitar pedals are quite a boutique kind of thing uh, amongst guitarists. There's been a huge resurgence in the last few years to the point where guitarists collect literally hundreds of the things. And um, and he was he was sort of talking a little bit about that. And he's got the most magnificent beard uh sort of a and it is a red beard and you know and he also has his own line of beard oil and all all things he's involved in and um and we were talking to him about the various things and he happened to mention um that he's or skindred have been asked to do a drive-in gig and these gigs are taking place at the NEC and there's about 10 or 15 going on and there's a whole you know mix of of, of acts so you've got Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet doing one. Katie Tunsell's doing one. You've got Russell Watson doing one. Obviously, the couple of guys from um, Boyzone or one of the guys from Boyzone, one from Westlife are doing one. And and there's a whole different mix of, of different things. And, and Skindred are, uh, are doing one. And it was interesting because first I'd come across that and there's been a lot of talk about driving cinema. Um, and there's been some talk at the beginning of lockdown of some countries that were looking at kind of a drive-in gig type thing. But it looks like you'll you'll kind of drive into a square almost that will be your bit of territory. And then you'll be able to get out of the car and you'll be able to experience the gig. And then you'll, you know, you'll look to your left and to your right and there will be other people in their own little squares, you know, bouncing up and down and doing what they're and doing what they're doing and enjoying the enjoying the experience of the gig, and um and I and, and and we were talking and he doesn't he doesn't know if it'll work. I mean he's over the moon to be playing live again, and 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 most musicians you know who are really struggling through this period are just looking forward to getting out and trying to interact with an audience again. And I think he was saying there's going to be somewhere in the range of about six or seven hundred um, capacities at these gigs, but in a big space, in the kind of space that you might expect to get 5,000 people normally. And uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see if these things work. I'm pleased that there's something going on to try and bring live music um, around again in some sort of format. And obviously because they'll be outdoors, then I guess the also the the, the, the risk of transmission is, is low, certainly a darn sight lower than if you were on Bournemouth Beach this week. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see if, if we can take something like music, which is often an intimate experience, particularly with a band like theirs, because they're sort of a punky metal, you know, funk kind of outfit. It's, it'll be, um, it'll be something that you really feel and, and would normally be something where being part of the crowd would, would, would be part of the actual experience. So it'd be interesting to see if this actually comes comes off and i'm sure there'll be a lot of things that come out of the situation we're in and some will work some won't but i thought it was a really interesting a really interesting kind of idea and concept and and i say the first i'd i'd heard about uh, you know heard about it was when mikey mentioned it this this evening and obviously it then talks to whether driving cinema becomes a thing because i think driving cinema i think i read somewhere to say that new key are going to be opening the first 
drive-in cinema proper. I know there's a lot of events planned, but they're actually going to open one that I guess will be a permanent a permanent feature. Um, so in the same way, we're getting used to how retail is going to look moving forward, which is weird because I was in Huddersfield um, yesterday and the whole centre of Huddersfield has been turned into two lanes, effectively. You walk one way down the you know the the uh, pedestrianised area and then you walk one way one way back and we're going to be having a lot of that and you know it it, it looked like a it looked like a war scene in terms of people queuing based on rationing except they weren't they were just queuing to get into a space because there was only a certain number of people allowed you know allowed to be in and I've never walked down a high street I got used to seeing the queue outside a supermarket. But I never walked outside a, down a high street and seen little queues in every, you know, the outside of every single, the outside of every single shop. So I, you know, it's gonna, it's it'll be it'll be strange looking back in six months as to how many of these things are still in place and how many have disappeared. And then maybe in a year's time or two years time, how our behaviour has completely been changed. Uh, and maybe we will always walk one way around a shopping centre or we may always you know actually never sit any closer than six feet to anybody in the cinema again or a theatre I don't know but in the meantime good luck to Mikey I'm interested to see how these how these gigs play out Friday the last few weeks this section on Friday has been about things to take some um, joy out of, things that have, have been things that might normally not have happened had we not been in lockdown or might have gone unnoticed. So actually just shouting out some of the things that um, it was worth recognising because with the world being in a certain, in a certain place, um, that, that actually the, there was a lot of positives could be, that could be drawn. Uh, I'm going to reverse it a little bit this week. Um, not that we're back to normal by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, I happened to notice a few things that have happened this week that showed that the, I guess almost the prevailing view is that we are heading back into more normal times. And I don't mean that in terms of how we're going to behave and how everybody's going to interact with each other. Just some of the things that had been put in place to get us through the lockdown are slowly starting to reset and go and go back to normal. So I'll give you an example. Um, Virgin Media, we, we, we have Virgin for our uh, mobile phones. Um, at the start of the lockdown, Virgin gave everybody a load of extra minutes, and they gave everybody loads of extra data, more data than you would need. It was a it was a fantastic PR exercise, and I probably mentioned it way back as being a great thing because in reality you didn't use much more data than you would have used anyway. So as far as they were concerned, it wasn't really a um, it wasn't really a cost, but it was a, it was a uh, you know the optics of it looked absolutely fantastic, and that's reverted back now. So that this the you know the reset came in this um, this week, and it was back to my contractual level of data, and everybody's gone back to their contractual level of data, which shows that you know they think that that we're starting to get out about and lead our lives in a more in a more normal way. Um, there was hand sanitizer in bottles on the till at Lidl back to exactly as it was. So the little kind of things that you, you chuck in a bag um, or have in the car, in the glove box, the, the, the kind of, you know, it's 45 pence for a little bottle of hand sanitizer. And the kind of thing that was selling for a 10 or 15 quid as we, as you know, when the first 
raft of panic buying had gone through and you couldn't get the stuff for love and money. And now we're just back to normal. And that's one of the it's probably one of the last things that you that you couldn't get that you can now get in plentiful supplies. So if you think that we went through, you know, pasta and we went through um, liquid soap and we went through hand sanitizers, they were, they were the first things you couldn't get. And then we've added other things to the list as we've gone along and, you know, risotto rice for a while and then flour was a thing for a while. And there's been odd things that you haven't been able to to get, but everything's come back in. And it's as if hand sanitizer was the last one whereby, yeah, you've been able to get it for a few weeks, but it, it was a lot more expensive, whereas now it's back and it's in those little bottles and it's on the checkouts and they've got loads of it and it's 40, 50p and it's something you just chuck on the on the belt when you're going down. So that's another just, it was kind of like a, it seemed like, well, you know, now the hand sanitizer's back, we kind of back to, to some kind of normal. Um, and then I noticed that, that Leeds uh, had their first game back in the championship. Uh, and all we've heard really since lockdown is how well Leeds are just going to get promoted because they're at the top of the table, and if the season ends, they'll go up. And uh, you know they've they've been plotting their plotting their journeys. And for the last two or three years, Leeds fans have been plotting their journeys in the Premier League. And then in in every season, they seem to have found a way of cocking it up. And they've come back first game back, and they've got beaten, and they're suddenly in the sights of Fulham in the automatic spot. And they play Fulham, you know, over the course of the weekend. And, you know, heaven forbid lose Leeds lose at Fulham. But then suddenly it's not as nailed on. So there's something reassuring about being back to normal where we're at the back end of the championship season. And Leeds, who, you know, everybody's been saying would go up for the entire season, quite possibly might actually um, throw it all away again in the final few games in the way they've done spectacularly over the last couple of years. Um, and I'm not wishing to, you know, any particular will, you know, bad will towards Leeds, but it, but it is the gift that keeps on. It's the gift that keeps on giving, uh, really. So it's just three examples of, I guess, how it's how it's slowly starting to revert to the world before, even if a lot of the other. A lot of the other kind of things going on feel a little bit strange and not quite, not quite the way they, the way they once were. Um, that's it for this week. I, I hope everybody's well um, and uh, and and trying to make some kind of sense of what's going on out there at the uh, at the moment. If you're desperate to get to the beach, I wish you a lot of luck because it seems like that would be. Uh, a bit of a crazy thing to try at the moment. Um, but other than that, uh, enjoy enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy the last bit of the, the warm weather before I think it cools a little bit. Uh, and I'll speak to you next week. If you've enjoyed Therapy For Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.